Welcome back to Open Graves. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Vesta Vangloria. I'm Heather Noel. We are in the depths of October. Um, We're in the mire. Yeah, it honestly has been a, a fucked up couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really want to dwell on that because we have a pretty cool guest today uh, who is on this lovely Zoom with us. Another musician named Davey. I love it. Coming to Welcome. us from one of the greatest cities in the world. Yeah, zooming in from Portland. Davey Furcho. Am I saying your name incorrectly? Uh, actually, yeah, actually, it's Furchow. Furchow. I apologize. <laughs> I should have asked you that first. <laughs> I actually, I almost thought about sending that earlier, like a phonetic version, but you know, Furcho is close. Eh, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll call him so, Davey Burnett. <laughs> hey, <laughs> there are worse nicknames. So Davey is zooming in from Portland, um, but we actually met in uh, Los Angeles years ago um, oh. when your band was playing at Release the Bats. Oh, great. Yes. Yeah. At the time I was in a band called Swampland and we were lucky enough to play a Release the Bats before, um, I think maybe like a year or so later is when it stopped. So um, yeah. And that was one of those things where like Release the Bats does uh, tend to actually introduce great local music, you know, and I I think I, I just like was like, hey, man, I actually really like your band. Good job. <laughs> and we kind of became friends. Yeah, that was and definitely one of the most memorable shows that we played as a band. Um, I don't think we lasted too much long after that, uh, to be honest. Um, so how did Dry Wedding form? Great name. Well. I love oh, it. Thank you. And I'm drinking um, wine. <laughs> well, you know, I um, I decided to move from Southern California uh, to Portland. I had lived there my entire life. Um, and I just didn't really see a future for myself in Southern California. I mean, I know, I know, you know, we've got at least one like LA till I die people on this call. So I won't, <laughs> you know, I won't go into um, any harsh criticisms or anything, but you know, I oh, like, no, I have a yeah. loathing for the city as well. <laughs> oh, I will live here until I die, but I will not be happy about it. Feel free. Okay. Feel free. I've lived elsewhere, so I feel your pain. Yeah, and I, you love know, it's, I, I always, you know, kind of break it down this way for people. There's there's an energy in Southern California that whether you choose to participate in it or not, you're kind of swept up in it. And I think the one thing I really liked about, uh, you know, the Pacific Northwest was I felt like you could kind of choose your own speed um a little bit more uh so yeah made made the decision to leave southern california i came up here in 2017 um and really i i even like a few weeks before i moved i was already posting craigslist ads um trying to put a band together up here um i knew quite a few people that played music up here but they were all you know in at least one band if not more um already so I just, I did the Craigslist thing and it was a wild ride. Um, so you're in a Craigslist you band? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I mean, good job. You guys are doing amazing. Well, <laughs> so nobody, like these are all total strangers that you've met. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there was a group of people I played with for the first like nine or 10 months and it just really wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't happy with it 
you know, I couldn't see us recording. I couldn't see us playing live. And so I was like, what am I doing? And so I, I just cleaned house and started from scratch. And so I went back to Craigslist for more punishment. Um, <laughs> and, and then, um, yeah, piece, piece the band together again, just starting from scratch doing the Craigslist thing. And, um, you know, after God knows how many, you know, trials and errors, um, finally got the right group of people together. So, so are you, so you grew up in Portland or in the Northwest generally? No, I grew up in Southern California. Oh, yeah. you grew up here. I'm sorry. I misunderstood you. Oh, gotcha. Oh, yeah. where about? Where about? Um, I lived in Corona until I was 10. Ooh. And then I lived in Orange County, Huntington Beach from like 10 to mid 20s. Uh, and then for the last five years I was there, I was in Long Beach. You look very familiar to me. I'm wondering because I grew up in Huntington Beach myself and I live. Yeah, in you look super familiar to me. I was going to say that the second we <laughs> got on my this call, I was like, world. <laughs> where did you go to school? Edison. Okay. Okay. Where did you go to school? I went to Marina. Ah, uh, okay. Well, you, did you have my mom for Spanish? She taught there. <laughs> What's your mom's name? Mrs. Aldridge. No, do okay. not have her as my huh. Spanish teacher. Um, no. Uh, Maybe case draw. Maybe I saw you. I mean, oh, did you go to? Did you go to other clubs there? Um, a little bit. Um, and then before I, you know, started dabbling in the goth scene, I, I was, uh, I was firmly planted in like the punk scene, um, in Southern California for many years. So I don't okay. know if you were running in those circles or not yeah where where about would you perform or what venues would you go to or do you remember or where would yeah. you hang out where would you hang out uh <laughs> uh i mean all, all you know all over venues record stores um i was in a band uh from like age 18 to 23 uh called tipper's gore um, <laughs> i remember i remember that <laughs> Never seen either a poster or a sticker for that. Oh yeah, we were like, I mean, now it would probably be frowned upon because of the amount of paper we went through, but we were like, <laughs> we were that band that was like flyers posted at all the record shops. We're standing outside of other shows, passing flyers yeah, out with like, annoying yes, people. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I, so yeah, I mean, I went to like the bigger venues, like the Galaxy for like the bigger punk shows, yep. but then I'd, I'd go to, you know, we'd play this place called The Clinic, which was an illegal venue in Santa Ana that was in like an industrial. Was it in a warehouse? Park. Like a yeah. warehouse? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, we played there a lot. Um, we actually played there the last night it was open. Um, something happened outside where some punks got stabbed. Oh no. Uh, yeah and so i think we got like you know part way through our set and then they're like yeah this is getting shut down there's cops coming so that's wow. a real show then it's a, <laughs> it's a bona fide punk show <laughs> yeah yeah it wasn't it wasn't a punk on punk stabbing from what oh, i was okay told. oh yeah that unfortunately makes sense yeah. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to, it's going to come to me how I know you, but yeah, you look very, I love this. This is what I live for. <laughs> no, I, the, the first thing I thought, as soon as we got on this call, I was like, I know that face I from somewhere. Yeah. Marina. And then wait, how long were you in Huntington beach still? What year? 
till I was like 25. So I went to Golden West College okay. and then I went to Cal State Long Beach. And we all have literature degrees, I believe. And I lived across from Golden West College. I I rented a room like literally right across the street. So that's really, I don't know. Uh, you know, here we are now. Here we this are now. <laughs> but it's nice yeah. to re-meet you or whatever. Yeah, it's nice to see you again, maybe. The catalyst of Goth. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if I can. Okay, so what led you over to the Goth side and how old were you? Send, like, paint me a picture. Okay. Um, well, actually, I've heard, I've listened to some of your other episodes, and I know that one of the things is like, where did your darkness come from? <laughs> yes. Um, what is your darkness? Done his homework. So, so I could, yeah, I could kind of start there and trek from the initial darkness to where I am today. Yeah, um, so I, growing up, I had a, um, I had an alcoholic father uh who also at one point started to get into some some pretty serious drugs but alcohol was the substance of choice mm -hmm. um and so my parents split up when i was nine that wasn't traumatic for me in any way because i was like yeah of course you aren't going to be together this is clearly <laughs> not functioning properly um and but you know fast forward a handful of years when i was 13 uh he ended up passing away from basically drinking himself to death. Um, wow. And, and, you know, and there's a lot of weird parallels there. Cause we have the same birthday. Like we were born, I was born on his birthday. And so I was named after him. So, you know, daddy issues there for sure. Um, and so I, that was kind of the initial, I think like darkness point, but I'd also like to say that it helped me, develop a strong sense of self at a young age. So I've been able to actually take away a lot of positive things from that. Mm. Um, and uh, so actually one of the things that happened was uh, he was living with my grandparents at the time because he, um, he had gone to jail and lost his job and uh, moved back in with his parents. And so they had a bunch of his stuff and my grandma, you know, three or four months after he passed, she says, you know, go through all of his stuff, take whatever you want. And I, I, I remember going through his cassette tapes and, and a lot of it was like bad, like nineties K rock, like alternative rock stuff of the day, yeah. you know, um, or like, you know, from the nineties. And, um, but the one that, wasn't that was uh there was a black flag damaged cassette tape in there oh. and i was like this sounds kind of familiar this looks interesting and this man is looking at his reflection and punching the mirror and mm -hmm. i don't know i i connected with that and then listening to that i was like i've never heard anything like this in my entire life and it kind of just broke open um punk for me and then so that was like what i was just so obsessed with throughout my teenage years and up until like my uh, 20s. And I mean, I still love all that stuff. But um, at one point, you know, I I was like, okay, I know about every random like, you know, punk, whatever. So I, I felt the need to explore more music, more genres of music. And so as I moved out of my teens and into my 20s, I I started becoming more interested in um, some some like darker music or um, 
And I feel like that it was just kind of a natural progression for me out of punk into like post-punk and goth and all this other stuff, um, which was always sprinkled throughout. But I got more and more interested in it because especially playing in punk bands, I just felt very limited by it. Um, mm -hmm. Lyrically, the way I could sing, the way I could perform. If I wasn't super angry, it didn't feel authentic to me. <laughs> and then I realized that the the anger was just a, it was just me taking a different emotion and using that to express it. Mm -hmm. And so I think I think that was a big part of me drifting more over to darker types of music was I was like, oh, this feels more vulnerable. It feels, um, you know, like it feels more, there's like a deeper connection there. Not to say that punk isn't powerful, but yeah, I just, I was like, if I'm sad or this or that, like, I want that to be the thing that's expressed and I don't have to like mask it all in anger. So. I feel like that is, I would tell me about your experience with this, but that can be a very like a masculine stereotype that can be harmful to men. Cause you're sort of only allowed to express uh, emotions in this very narrow manner and punk takes on a lot of that baggage. No, I, I definitely think that's true. And I, I felt like when I was young, there was a real strength in being able to express mm -hmm. myself that way. Yeah, I'm not trying to throw shade at punk but, either. It's just a thing that sort of manifests in that way. No, me neither. But I think what I ended up finding more power in as I got older was, like I said, kind of allowing these, these thoughts and these feelings to be completely themselves and not having to wrap it in like an anger uh, you know, anger whatever, blanket. and toss it, yeah, anger blanket, and just toss it at people, like, you know, and, and sometimes, like, I throw anger into the music I make still, it doesn't have to just be that, you know? Yeah, I, so right when we um started, like, all hopped on the Zoom, but before we started recording, you were like, oh, that Nick Cave poster behind you, I have that as well, and I was like, shit, we gotta start recording, because that's funny, but that also made me want to bring up that, because I, I was, uh, you know, refreshing myself on dry wetting before we started this. And uh, it really does, your music does give me birthday party vibes. That's definitely, um, yeah, part of the intention there. Um, we get it a lot well, too. <laughs> well, thank you. And I mean, we get it a lot live. I think that um, there are more dynamics and things in the live than we've been able to <laughs> capture on, you know, in a recording as of yet, so. And that did come across also in when you were in Swampland as well. And that was what made me connect with you about your music because, and, and I think this is actually true for many, most bands that used to play Release the Bats. It requires a certain presence. And you guys definitely had that. And it can be kind of unusual in the goth scene, I guess, to get into a band just because you happen to randomly see them live. Like we get very culty with our interests and legacies and all of that. And that was one thing that I really miss and respected about Release the Bats. And you're, you were an example of that. Oh, well, thank you. That's very kind. Do you remember what time slot you went on? Or I mean, familiar with Dave's sort of you go on whenever you feel like it. Mentality. <laughs> were you uh, one of the first bands up or were you in the middle or? We were the only band. Yeah, oh, you, you were, were the only band, band that night. Yeah. I think toward the end there, they started doing just one band at a time because okay. of the like club versus band balance. Okay. So most of my bats experiences, I think, were a single band situation. 
Can I yeah. ask about the, I mean, I understand the, the entendre with dry wedding, but how did you come up? I now understand that? more about dry wedding. I know. <laughs> well, you know, it's, um, I, I definitely draw influence from, you know, Southern Gothic literature and, yes. and things like that. And so on the one hand, I was like, okay, that kind of evokes that a bit. Um, also, I liked this. I don't know. I think something I explore in my writing and something that I'm interested in is this, this idea of like wanting to control things, but not really having control over anything. Hmm. Uh, and I feel like a dry wedding is kind of like that. You're trying to control how people are taking in this event and how they're interacting and, you know, you know, grandma snuck in a flask and it's, you know, <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. And and so I think on that level too, I like this idea of like this push and pull of wanting to have control over things, but not really having it. Um, and also I, I like the idea too of like, you know, just talking about it as like an experience, um, just kind of this, like, I'm hoping, you know, to have like this kind of raw direct line between us and the audience and not really have like, external distractions. Um, hmm. So I think it kind of works on that level as well. I've been to a dry wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people will be like, that doesn't sound fun at all. And I'm like, well. <laughs> you know why it was fun? Um, it was only fun because my fun-loving aunt, she had a stash for us to sneak away. And the, those who knew about it could partake while nobody else was the wiser. So it was like my little wedding. Yeah, my little clan of a, you know, aunt and uncle and me and my parents like were the only ones who knew where it was that's see yep they were you know on that yeah i know it, it sort of it does the opposite of what they intend <laughs> it yeah, almost much like a prohibition you know, well, or... i always just feel like it starts with like them not wanting one particular person uh to drink and then that just becomes the blanket uh mm. you know policy yeah. You're trying to control one person or a small group of people. And so you're like, no, nobody can have fun here. I also take it as the double entendre of, you know, of a very virgin, Virginia wedding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think no that's, fucking wedding. That's in there. Uh, <laughs> well, I have to ask this now. Are you sober? I am. I don't mean actually. right at this moment. I mean, in general. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. interesting when people ask, when they label it as sober, I've, um, I've just never been a drinker yeah. or a partier. And so for me, like, I don't ever think of it as being sober. It's just, it's just You're my right. default mode at this point, you know? The way that I phrased it did sound like sober from alcohol, which is a whole other like life trajectory situation. Would you identify mm -hmm. as straight edge? No. No. Okay. <laughs> no, I, you know, again, not, not throwing shade at uh, the straight yeah. edge culture. Uh, I don't, I don't identify with it um, for various reasons. Um, I, I think the there's, okay. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of violence and just, yeah. you know, just yeah, negative aspects. What we were talking yeah. about earlier about men and, and that, that expression of feelings and is only one approved way. Yeah. That, that culture has it it's just yeah i i don't have like this like strong opinion where i'm like this is the way to live and this is the way that you should live it's never 
been that for me. It's, you know, like I mentioned my dad earlier, I, I saw, <laughs> I had this example laid out before me and I was able to recognize that I do have an addictive personality mm. and, and I'm like, I could, I would probably like alcohol. I would probably like drugs, but I just, it's not even worth it for me to like dip my toes in because it's, it's, you know, there's, there is a risk there. Um, and I've just used that addictive personality for other things like obsessive record collecting and, you know, <laughs> you know, things like that. That's fucking respectable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How is that being in a in the rock star world or the musician world and being sober? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, my bandmates benefit because they get extra drink tickets. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's it is strange. I mean, I don't really get asked about it too much. Um, okay. You know, I feel like as I've gotten older, it's become more normal for people to see someone not drinking, but yeah, yeah, like they usually do assume that I, I was a drinker or something and now I'm reformed or something. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's, I, I guess there are still those moments where I, I do feel a little um, detached from certain gatherings or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. the case may be. So what inspires you? How do you, like, what inspires you maybe in writing and uh, making music? Especially that you write the lyrics, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and and a lot of the music stuff starts with, with ideas that I come up with, not exclusively, but, um, you know, a lot of it is like me recording demos and it could be a riff or two. It could be like a bunch of pieces of a song already. Um, and then we usually kind of build from there. Um, so, I mean, I don't know, like, like I mentioned obsessive record collecting, I'm always just like intensely hunting down new music. Um, I also watch a lot of films and collect <laughs> movies uh, and also buy a lot of books and read a lot. Uh, so it's, I, I try to pull from all these different art forms to keep it fresh. And then also um, as I'm writing lyrics and things, I'll do a lot of kind of nerdy research, um, looking up, you know, like, I don't know, I've gone down some pretty insane rabbit holes and sometimes <laughs> I don't, I don't even know how I got there. Hmm. Um, like what? So. Oh, you're gonna put me on the spot? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm bad with that too, so we can come back to it. <laughs> I'm just trying to think if I've done that done that recently. Um, and, you know, of course, just pulling from life experiences. I'm one of those people that sometimes I'll just get hit with a like a line or two or an image and I'll have to immediately jot it down or I'll forget it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So. Yeah, that's definite poet vibes. And we have a Zoom full of poets right now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So you all, you both have literature degrees, you said. Um, I have a computer degree, but you're. I have a, a yeah, <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a writer. Um, yeah, I worked in in entertainment industry for quite a while. I was on a show, Criminal Minds. Uh, oh, okay. Might have heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm a poet as well. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I have a book. But yeah. Oh wow. But Where I do just, I get this book? Oh, it's 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 nothing fancy. It's on Amazon. Well, I, I, I don't know. Promote your shit, Heather. Do it. <laughs> it's called Feral Black Sheep. 
but it's it's just my collection of poetry. It's it's mainly old stuff. But I'm hoping, and and perhaps Vesta too, we're both going to be putting out some new stuff. Yeah, well, uh, it's hard. It turns out. <laughs> no. Yeah, I keep meaning to do something like that, and then I I usually just kind of dive in with dry wetting stuff and focus on that, and then I come up for air and. <laughs> You know, I'm like, oh, I didn't do that. And then more dry wedding stuff happens. And so that's been the main focus for the last couple of years. Yeah. You, that's that sort is... of how this podcast happened, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're like, oh, writing is hard. Let's just talk at each other. <laughs> hey, there's still some writing involved in this. <laughs> I know. Yes, there is. And I did some uh, writing, analog writing in a bar last night. So it's still happening. I need to get back to that. I used to do that and then the pandemic happened and I'm just like, why leave the house? But then it's actually good for my brain to like- I have to leave the house. somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, Davey, do you have a, a writing environment that you prefer or like a, a situation? I've never been able to do the like, sit in a crowded bar and write thing. Um, <laughs> I can't sit in my home and write. Everyone's so different. Yeah. I. I can't even like, you know, I, I write quite a bit for work and um, I can't listen to anything where people are talking or listen to people talking yeah. when I'm writing because then I start listening to their words and, and then it, my brain gets all twisty. So I have to put on <laughs> music, um, usually either something that I, I know pretty well. So I don't like start to drift and be like, oh, what's that? What's, you know? What's totally. he saying? Or like, what's this in that song? Um, and so it's got to be like instrumental or like familiar music where I can just kind of let it do its thing in the background. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've got a couple little nooks set up in the house here. Um, nice. The book know, nook. <laughs> nice little comfy chair. Yeah, some like books or records nearby and um, nice lighting. I do want to ask you about your day job because we do try to ask people about that as well but you yours is actually kind of relevant to your life as far as i understand you work for discogs yeah that's fucking cool <laughs> i also used to be a copywriter but yours sounds like a better one <laughs> <laughs> well i i worked for like a you know a property management company for years Ew. and years and Ew. yeah i mean oh, it was fine deeply unfun. <laughs> no poetry I, I, no i mean I did my best. Um, but yeah, you know, I got to work from home and like, I mean, this was pre pandemic even. So I've been doing the work from home thing for like nine years or something. Whoa, that's um, badass. Land yeah. So I, I, you know, that was a good experience until it wasn't. And then um, I, I've, I've been kind of obsessed with discogs for the last 12 years or so. Um, I guess I'm in the top like one or 2% of users on there. <laughs> I, I have found out. Um, and so I was like, oh, it's my dream to work there. And they're like local here to Portland. And um, oh. and then I applied and they're, they were doing the whole remote thing. And it was just wild because I hadn't looked at their job postings in, you know, years. And I looked out of the blue because I was unhappy with my job. And there was a posting for this job that was my exact skill set and my exact uh, experience. And so the job had never existed before. It was a brand new position. So that's awesome. I, that was actually weirdly my role at my former company was like, they're like, yeah, I think we need to not just 
be making everyone who works here write shit when it's not their job. <laughs> so hire a writer. So that was that was my intro to copywriting as well. Davey, can I work at your work? <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, maybe I, we're, we're continuing to grow. So there's room for more writers. Um, yeah, I never in a million years thought my No pressure. Were... That might have been inappropriate. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I would definitely keep you in mind. But yeah, I just never thought in a million years that my useless record knowledge would actually have some sort of use in the real world. Because now I'm writing about, you know, records and gear and all this nerdy stuff. So that's really cool. I'm so happy to hear that, like, you've able been able to do the day job thing in a way that is also meaningful to your artistic life. Yeah, I always viewed them as so separate. Yeah, so, um... no, and they very often are. Yeah. Do you dance at goth clubs? Uh, you know, <laughs> that's a no. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I don't frequent them, but I've been known to, you know, I did some dancing at Release the Bats. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's, I mean, Portland's a great town for that. There's um, a couple of really cool clubs where they do regular goth nights and yeah. dance nights and other than lovecraft that's the only one i can think of that i've personally been to what's going on in portland well the lovecraft was renamed to the coffin club what because <laughs> lovecraft was a racist oh lovecraft was a total trash person but <laughs> but ah that's a oh, okay i have mixed feelings but okay but so when you went there it was probably just the little spot upstairs yeah was it upstairs well, like you just go in on one level, like the street. Yeah, you walk it, it was in like two rooms, but one level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they they now have opened up the entire basement. Oh, and cool! It's huge. There's another bar down there. They just built a huge stage down there. There's like an outdoor area outside the basement area that's got like a vegan food truck and a bunch of tables and stuff where you can sit and hang out. Wow. Um, so that's going on. Oh yeah, and then the other the other spots around town that are happening. Um, there's uh, did you go to the Star Theater while you were in town? I feel like I have. Wait, I think I we might have done the poetry brothel there. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it's downtown. I don't fucking know, but I think the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, anyway, they do like a like a weekly goth thing on Sunday nights called Hive. Um, okay. And that's like a weekly deal. Um, and then, I mean, there's always just stuff popping up all over at different bars and clubs around town. I'm very glad to hear that. But you said you're you're not a dance person. Yeah, because the next question I was going to ask was, what was the first goth song you danced to, if you recall? Oh, boy. I mean, you know, I, make I feel up. like... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm guessing is probably something by Bauhaus, you know, classic, classic kind of, you know, because like they, they were a band. I was, you know, even pretty early on into my punk days, I was into Bauhaus and, um, yeah. you know, I feel like they get, um, you know, they get embraced by the punks quite a bit. They're definitely the, the post-punk, like I would say they're kind of one of the epitomes of post-punk because of just sort of that transitional era and phase. I shouldn't say phase, that was rude <laughs> to all of us. <laughs> it's just a phase, mom. Yeah. Exactly, it's not a phase, mom. And would that have been in LA, Long Beach, Que Sera? Yeah, no. Oh, 
Oh, we're talking about me. Like this is not Yeah, no, I really do. We like to ask people like it's part of your origin story for all of us. Um, because something about it had an effect that made us stick with it. Because it's like you said, not a phase mom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if I like can can attach like me dancing to a song. Like I don't know if I could yeah. pinpoint it to that one exact thing. You know. Well, then start now. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I I will say one thing because we mentioned them earlier. Um, so when I was in high school, my stepbrother could see all the punk stuff I was getting into, and he would sometimes make me these, you know, MP3 discs with a bunch of stuff on them, or or burn me CDs. And one of them was um, the birthday party prayers on fire. Nice. And at the and so at high school, me, I don't think I was fully prepared for that quite yet. Um, I actually did not get into like Nick Cave and the birthday party until my twenties. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's same here. So, <laughs> so I was just like, what? You know, like it was just a little, I think, too far outside of my my current punk realm that I couldn't fully grasp it. And then um, I don't know. There's just there was something about it that made me want to revisit it when I was, you know, in my low 20s when I was going to college. And so I started there and I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest music I've ever heard. And it's like way more intense than all of this punk stuff I've loved for years. It is, right? The birthday party is fucking, uh, I'll just say a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. But also in that very like Bauhaus genre of like the essence of post-punk, like, really taking a lot of what punk was and it's like no it's okay to be sad and not an angry man yeah but then have these flourishes of anger or these like noisy builds and these things and so i just all of a sudden it really clicked with me and um and also too i feel like i feel like before my understanding of music was like oh someone plays guitar and then they play bass and they match each other and that's how things work and then i like (laughs) really like listen to you know the birthday that's definitely party. how pop punk works <laughs> well like i mean you know there's like a lot of punk it's like you know it's pretty locked in um yeah and there there was just this kind of you know i mean i've i heard nick cave call it like murder jazz once it's kind of got this like <laughs> there it is that almost, makes so much sense that's so good. almost jazzy thing right where like the instruments play off of each other in this way and i just got really interested yeah. in that and, well, it's, um, it's dissonant in a way that a lot of Bauhaus is as well. And it's like, there's something about this, like, dissonance, I think, that is kind of, like, objectively upsetting, but attractive to some of us. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, it's beautiful and harsh. I just, I think, you know, not to sound cheesy, but I think it mirrors the human experience. Because, you know, mm-hmm. you have these moments where things are, are quiet and sparse and beautiful. And then you have these moments where, like, everything is just raining down on you um mm-hmm. and and Are so like sex vampire like that's normal yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's just yeah and i mean i think that's that's something that i i think i'll be interested in now until i'm dead is just this idea of making art that kind of mirrors life and it has these ebbs and these flows and these chaotic parts and these beautiful parts and um so yeah, kind of like everything broke open there. And then I, I like went backwards and got into the boys next door. And then I then I jumped ahead and I got it started getting into the bad seeds. And so it was like, right. yeah, birthday party, boys next door, 
bad scenes. And then I just went through like everything. And then at that point, like I, I hadn't really been doing the baritone singing thing. Mm. Um, you know, I sang in like a higher register and, um, especially with, with bands where you're yelling, I just feel like it's like a natural thing. Um, unless you're doing like a death metal growl or something like that. But anyway, right. um, so I was, like, <laughs> I was like, I love the way this sounds. I started getting into really getting into singers like Scott Walker, uh, oh, you know, yeah. Lee, Lee Hazelwood. I actually got into him surprisingly recently. Actually, I have a Lee Hazelwood account. Weird, weird crossovers that are not necessarily like, this is probably part of what I appreciate about your music is that Scott Walker and Lee Hazelwood, like you don't necessarily associate with goth, post-punk, the gothic but it's there and i think i think spotify my spotify channel like really like railroaded me into scott walker because of my nick cave fixation so i can actually thank the algorithm for that i actually was nice. listening to some of your stuff on bandcamp today and um that's who i thought you sounded like the most was nick cave oh. the essences of yeah yeah, I get that. I do, <laughs> I do I do get Scott Walker sometimes, which to me is like the ultimate compliment because I think he's I think his singing is, you know, second to none. Um and yeah, I don't know. I just I was like, I don't even know if I could sing like this. And then I tried it and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like it's just it was one of those things I just didn't know because I had never thought to do it. And after mm. that, that was like a whole huge shift for me too. And, I, you know, the like baritone croony kind of singing is still like, I mean, I can, I can like trace that back to, you know, people I would consider like my favorite vocalists. So. Yeah. And it is a very, well, I mean, I guess obviously Nick Cave is Australian, but the vibes are, are very American Gothic. And I know that was uh, your intentional vibes with both, uh, Swampland and Dry Wedding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you want to... Okay, here's my follow-up question to that, I guess, is when you were uh, studying literature and writing, was that actually a focus of yours? Uh, you mean like American Gothic literature? No. Or... <laughs> um, no, not necessarily. Um, I So, yeah, I got a degree in creative writing, and so I took a lot of um, poetry classes, um, you know, workshops, and then also where you study and evaluate and write essays on poetry. Uh, and then I did some short story classes as well, you know, studying and and doing the workshop thing as well for that. And there were actually, you know, some, I feel like too, like, I, I hope that like further defined my taste, like, you know, Brit Lit was a requirement, not, uh -huh. not a huge Brit Lit guy. <laughs> um, I did a lot but of that then, shit too. <laughs> but then like in short story class reading like Flannery O'Connor, I was like, okay, I connect with this. Mm. Uh, this this speaks to me. Um, it was that story, uh, Good Country People. Have you ever read that one? I may not have. Heather, have you? No. Mm -mm. Okay. No, I don't think so. It's got a girl with a wooden leg and a uh, hypocritical Bible salesman who is not a good person. Um, it's great. I feel like most of them are. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, especially with O'Connor, that was kind of her shtick, right? It was like religious hypocrisy. And um, 
and so yeah i think i think i just started to kind of gravitate towards that i got really into like cormac mccarthy uh and his books um and yeah i don't know there's just something about it that still resonates with me i don't ever want to be confined to writing you know with those um influences in mind but there's just so much there um to unpack and then also you know i don't know like uh, again I'm not trying to sound judgmental, but I don't I don't need to write another song about like shadows and whatever, you know, like <laughs> I, I just I just there's there's plenty of people out there that do that and they do it well. And that's, you know, so I'm going to do this other thing that I hope I do well and not talk about shadows. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just one of those words. It's uh, I, I probably used it. At some, I probably used it at some point, but. Oh, that's, Very I have the same thing for my poetry. I'm like, if I say the word like love, burn, passion, like Ugh. get out yeah. of here. Like I have to like call myself out on that shit because it's just like so repetitive. No, that's very important. It's part of the process. <laughs> I was going to ask, um, since you are a transplant from sunny California, um, has the weather affected your writing or your music writing at all? Or your mindset in general. Um, I'm just curious. I I lived in New York for five years, and I it was it was drastic. <laughs> so yeah, well, you know, there are actually seasons here, so a lot of people kind of go into hibernation mode when winter hits. It's not that it's it's you know it's not like it's unbearable outside. It's just raining. Um, and it's not even that cold, but you know, it's people, snow, uh, yeah, you know, for like a day oh, or two. Wow. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, maybe every handful of years. Um, but, and then the whole city shuts down cause they don't know how to handle it. Yeah. That's um, <laughs> like so, LA when there is a drizzle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I remember. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, it's, it provides almost like this, this focus and not that I necessarily needed that, but it's kind of nice to feel like the season provides you with a different way to focus on your art. Um, so I think that's, you know, part of it. Um, and when I moved here, um, you know, I knew I was moving to a place where I didn't know as many people. And so I kind of just committed to just getting better at all the things that I like to do. So there was a lot of songwriting and writing and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I think that you know, just the nature here, the the abundance of trees, the forests. Um, I, I, I was a little bit of a nature boy, even in Southern California. I like to use it in my poetry and, you know, <laughs> uh, but now I feel like it's, it's, you know, I'm able to incorporate different images and, and things that I probably wouldn't have been able to tap into if I still lived down there. Portland is one of those places that I, it's like my main threat if I, decide I feel like I need to leave LA. I'm like, I could move to Portland. I keep not doing it, but it's a, it's a great place. And it also like, there's so much shade thrown at LA from Portland and from LA back up to Portland for what I feel like is no reason because <laughs> they're just very different and valuable in different ways. Mm -hmm. I agree. But yeah, I have a, a yeah, obvious soft spot for the gloom. I asked, I wrote down, do goths wear beanies there? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have uh, to yeah, wear a to live to live in Portland. I, swear. I only say that because I did a, I did I wrote an episode for 
for the show I was on and I, it took place in Portland and I swear the costume designer put like fucking boonies on everyone. I was so, I was like, come I mean, on. It is the Portland I, stereotype. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I only, the only time I've ever been to Portland was in the winter time where you guys were having like a horrific snow frozen ice situation and yeah so i i just wrote i was like i can't even picture goths and beanies but i'm sure it probably happens i feel like i've seen it yeah i remember when we were texting about doing this episode and you had specified that you kind of wanted to talk about the crossover with the metal scene and the beanies just reminded me i'm sure but yeah so what is your experience with like the meshing of the goth the punk the metal and your southern gothic (laughs) Well, uh, you know, um, growing up in Southern California, I feel like scenes are a little more separate there. It's People, very clicky here. Yeah, it's very, I, yeah, it's very, very clicky. Um, people, they like what they like and they stick with the, the venues and the bands and the people that they know. Um, yeah. And one thing I always really admired about Portland, you know, like coming through here with bands and playing here was I could tell, like, I'm like, oh, that guy's wearing a discharge shirt and has spiky hair, but he's like dancing to the goth band, Uh, you know, and and so like, but it has been interesting because I think that for some people, they they do have a particular idea of what like, you know, goth or post-punk sounds like, you know that like chorusy guitar and bass and that like iconic drum sound and and you know the like the reverb and delay washed vocals like they have this very specific idea of what that sounds like and so mm-hmm. it's definitely i feel like you know there are there are there are definitely a lot of people that are into that music that like our stuff but i've noticed that you know a lot of people who are into more uh you know heavy music for lack of a better word um they've kind of gravitated towards what we're doing and i've seen a lot of that a lot of people in the metal also really like post-punk but i don't think it really goes the other way so much you know i think i think i think part of it is like there's like this synth crossover like there's a lot of metal stuff that's uh has incorporated synths or is like almost entirely if not entirely synth based um and Wait, so the metal genre? yeah really i guess i'm that out of the loop i'm an, an example now of the person you're talking yeah. about <laughs> so so there are like metal bands who are like weaving in like goth and post-punk elements into their sound but then there's also um have you ever listened to any dungeon synth Ooh. tell me more oh that sounds good though so it's kind of like an offshoot it's like basically metal guys making synth music um okay some some of it is really cool and like dark ambient and I like a lot of that stuff. Some of it sounds like it's from like a Ren Fair and I'm not into it. Um, <laughs> I could be into that actually. Who knows? Well, if, yeah. If you told me a band name, would I recognize them? I don't know. I could I could maybe send you some stuff later and see. Yeah. If anything. I'm curious. I'm know. curious if it's something that I'm like not registering based on like sort of my own like no pun intended but here we go anyway like sort of tone deaf uh understanding of how to describe music genres like i do fall short of that a lot well you know it's it's tough and it's and i hate to slap things with labels sometimes just because you know like i was mentioning 
they come with preconceived notions and sometimes yeah, fuck it. they're useful it's shorthand like i hate i hate the question now even when people go well what is what type of band are you in and <laughs> you kind of yeah. have to like uh, i don't know like i always try to base it around what i think they might be familiar with and... i would say goth <laughs> well if you say like even if like they have limited knowledge of that you know and you say like post-punk or something they'll be like oh so you sound like joy division and i'm like no oh. no we don't you know? yeah you said, oh, oh like the cure no no I like the cure. Yeah. yeah no i think your closest equivalency is the bad seeds and the birthday party and since you mentioned it scott walker but i wasn't he was not even at the forefront of my brain because he's kind of actually a, a newer discovery for me have you listened to his later records yet you know i actually like full disclosure don't think i have listened to a full album at all it's just something that comes on my recommended spotify and I'm, i usually do not trust the algorithm i don't give a shit about the algorithm i'm very controlling about what music uh you know the robots play for me um, but that was one exception where I was like, oh, okay. Uh, so I'm actually not sure uh, what era I'm even used to hearing of Scott Walker. Well, I want the podcast listeners to know that I was going to fake flip a table when you said you haven't listened to... I'm sorry. Of- I'm being... This is an honesty podcast. <laughs> no, no. And I, I'm not going to... I'm glad you didn't you rage quit the Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, uh... His later records are some of the most challenging, terrifying records I've ever heard in my life. Wow. Um, I really like them. He, like, his career trajectory is so interesting. If you haven't seen the documentary on him, I could not recommend it more highly. I will have to look into this further. This has been educational. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. But if we're in the vein of honesty, I'm not a Nick Cave fan. I know, Heather! <laughs> That's okay. I, I, you know, we, you know, me personally and the band, we pull in influences from a ton of different places. And I think yeah. that's why we've yeah. found ourselves kind of in between worlds a lot of the time. Um, yeah. You know, like I'm really into, um, are you guys familiar with Woven Hand? I've heard of them. Yeah, I, I know the name and I do not know if I know their music. Yeah, so that's that's a huge influence on me and um, the the main guy from that, his band before that, 16 Horsepower. Um, hmm. Taking notes. Highly recommended, oh. yes. So there's, there's a lot of that stuff. I mean, I, we're big Swans fans. That's yeah. Oh, I definitely hear that for you guys. You are in the Swans house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and I, yeah. By the so, way, actually, I think the loudest concert I have ever been to was Swans hmm. to the point where it was a problem. <laughs> yeah, I walked out the first time I saw them after about 45 I did too. minutes. Are you serious? And I love them. Yeah. I saw them again and I was like determined to stay until the end. And it was the funniest thing because I think everyone that was still left was like of the same opinion where they're just like, no, like I'm gonna make it to the end. Um and was so this just, the Fonda? And I did see them at the Fonda when I was in California. That was where I saw And then I saw them at a place called Revolution Hall here in Portland. That's an old high school that's been turned into a venue. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, super cool. Um, but yeah, it was like, it was, I was like, I don't even think they're playing songs. I think they're just like making it up as they go. And they're just like jamming on this one note for 13 minutes. Oh. And and yeah, so was it like... was like, 
people were just dropping like flies and then there were like some seats and like me and like a couple people I knew were just like like just kind of melting into the seats and um then they started like trying to dissociate that kind of had like a beat to it and you could see like everyone just like slowly like rise and start to like look around at each other like is it happening are they are they playing a song and <laughs> Then everyone got kind of like a second wind, and then it was short-lived, but we made it to the end. Good job. <laughs> I didn't make it through a Swans show. I failed. That's okay. <laughs> You're supposed to be wanting to be there. <laughs> like this is You are supposed to I be wanting to I can't even like there. imagine being at a show and being driven away. Like it's okay. Heather, you gotta see the Swans one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then the documentary is like three and a half hours long. Like that's I just, have not seen that one either. Okay. You can't escape it. Like they're just <laughs> And this live. is the thing you like. <laughs> I, yeah, I love swans. <laughs> so it was actually, when I was with my ex at the time, so this was Tenbury, Heather knows him. We're still deeply close friends. Uh, and he was like the bigger swans fan of the two of us, but he was also very like socially anxious, auditory sensitivity. He was a DJ and stuff. Um, and he, and I was like, cool, like, you're the reason we're here. And he's like, we gotta go. <laughs> and it is, we still, honestly, we still joke about it to this day. Cause it was like, yeah, we, we were there on purpose and paid money and we're <laughs> driven out and are like, I don't know. It's just like a weird, like now humorous part of the goth experience to be like, did you make it through the swans trail? <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. But they are in that that sort of dissonant camp of like that house and the birthday party, which makes a lot of sense. And I wasn't even thinking about them when we were discussing your music earlier. But yeah, good point. Uh, uh, I think your your band is definitely not abrasively loud. Well, you should see us live. I think it's a little. I think it's a little. Different. I have seen you. Well, I saw Swampland live. I guess I have not seen Dry Wedding. Yeah, yeah where do you guys play? A whole other ball of wax. Where do you play? Um, What's your schedule? Well, we locally, I mean, now that shows are happening again, we usually do about one show a month um, here in town. Um, but we are, uh, I'm in the very early stages of planning a West Coast tour for us in March. Ah, um, awesome. And as long as that all lines up the way I think it's going to, um, we'll definitely be down in your neck of the woods. Um, cool. At that point, so. Come check you out. Yeah. yeah, but I want to I want to jump back a second because yes. I want to know why Heather doesn't like Nick Cave. I don't I'm not going to sit here and defend him because I can understand why someone wouldn't be into his yeah. stuff. But I would um, like to know why you personally don't. And I've seen him live. It's very droney for me. It's very okay. droney dirgy. You will not like swans. I take it all back. Don't listen to swans. Okay. Um, <laughs> Never see swans. Yeah, I don't know. Like I have, I have synesthesia. Um, so I, the type I have is chromesthesia. So I can hear colors in songs. So every song has a color to me and his are very swamp gray. It's not, I love that. It's not, to me, it's not a pleasurable experience because it sounds very, um, it's not even like a cool funeral gray or, you know, it's not even like brushed heather gray it's it's like a swamp dirty gutter dumpster gray 
And um, <laughs> yeah, and I feel like a lot of his lyrics are misogynist. That is also true, and that's, well, that's what we were talking about on our, actually, our last solo together episode, uh, that he is very much in that camp, and I, that is a thing I come up against a lot, but in that way, it's, it's similar to, am I going to stop loving Edgar Allan Poe? Yeah, I mean, I get, I get the aesthetics, and, and, like, he's made his mark, and I understand what he's done to the scene, and there's yeah. really, what, one song they play at the clubs over and over and over and yes, over. Yes, it was only Red Right Hand. <laughs> um, but, you know, for me, it's just sonically, sonically, it's not a pleasurable experience for me, and so, yeah, I just, I have to be honest, like, there's, there's bands that rub me that are, like, it's, yeah. it's like a... A steel wool. And you know what? I think I don't like Depeche Mode because they're all like bright blue. I don't really like Depeche Mode either. Thank oh, you. Get out of here. They, I get a lot of shit for I never really meet anyone that doesn't like them, so that's that's fun. Do you both enjoy um, math? Math? Do you enjoy math? Math. They're very math. You know me. They're Absolutely not. Band. Like they're 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 Do you enjoy math, Heather? I actually do. I do. Well, they, I, oh, okay. <laughs> Um, like and actually, like, so does our buddy Jay, who is obsessed with them. He is kind of a... Yeah, they're fake. very mathematically pleasing. Um, you know, music is all math, and they're... That is so interesting, where I was like, no, because, like, Nick Cave and, like, both, like, The Bad Seeds and The Birthday Party and, again, Swans, no mathematical alignment, I don't yeah, think. Yeah. But I'm also, like, Davey, what's your opinion about that? I don't... They're kind of anti-math. <laughs> That's, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I could, you, I think that's a fair claim to say that they're, they're anti-math. Um, <laughs> I never thought of, I never associated math with Depeche Mode though, either. I guess I think I didn't like, either, but I think Heather makes a really good point. <laughs> yeah, I usually, when I think of math, I think of like, you know, music with really weird time signatures and things like that, um, where it becomes very like, you actually have to like, talk it out, like. I think of math music as like Uncy Industrial, which I actually hate. <laughs> like listen to listen to Lie to Me by Depeche Mode. Um, that is one Look, of the I'm not saying I hate Depeche Mode. Their shit is actually very catchy, probably because it is like <laughs> based on mathematical formulas. Lie to Me is a very good song. Lie to Me, you can hear like to me that sort of well-rounded sonic view. It's just like a sonic a soundscape. You hear the early Nine Inch Nails influences of the knife sharpening um, on the off beats. You hear um, the very low hum of the melody coming in that sort of creeps up. There's a lot of like the way that they use it. It's very like aesthetically pleasing. So I, don't I think we're actually like, I think I'm learning so much from this conversation because what, what I'm hearing is actually like you and I agree. I just actively do want to be in Nick Cave's swamp. And I don't anarchist. No. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. Like I'm no, I'm a swamp witch. We know this. <laughs> yes, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a time and a place for all that. I think it's just not something that I would listen to on my own that would give that would lift me up in a way that other goth music does. And that's how I feel about Tepesh Mode too. It's like I'm okay. never mad to hear it. I just don't put it on on purpose. All right. Yeah. That's interesting. That. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to know, and I might regret asking, <laughs> but if you if you said you listen to the dry wedding stuff on Bandcamp, what color are we? Yeah, the two that I listened to today, I can get one. I can get you their names later. Um, what the first one was like a an, uh, kind of a not quite a turquoise, but a little dirtier than turquoise. 
but I can get I can do that to you. And then the second one was more of a a, a red, like a deep red. And oh, then man, I, was, I love that. Yeah, and then I feel like I feel like your the previous album is it the one with an S? What is so the 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 latest one's called Sway. That's the oh, like newest one. Yes, I'm sorry, yeah. Sway. And, Sway, yeah. And then the I, first album is the Longer Road. I'll just say this: I I enjoyed Sway a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. we we feel the same way. So okay, I feel, that's great. I mean, that's how evolution of any art should work. So I'm glad that you feel that way. Yeah, it felt it 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 seemed a little more uh, goth and and it seemed a little more clear and crisp as to the sound you were going like as to like the the statement it was making. I don't know. That's hmm. all. yeah. We agree I, with I loved. You. It. I mean, it was yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I was like, oh wow, his voice is amazing. Like I'm like thinking like I was like. That's why I'm kind of shocked to not only recognize you, but I was like, oh my gosh, she's so clean cut. Like I was expecting this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I visually put in my mind, but it was- I don't, 1980s Nick <laughs> Cave. <laughs> so. well, I think, you know, I, and I think that's, that's something that I love so much is I, I feel like I can, I can take on these aspects, you know, singing and, playing guitar and performing on stage that, you know, maybe you wouldn't necessarily pick up on, um, you know, just walking by me down the street, or maybe you would, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, fool them all. <laughs> yeah, I apologize for you having to stare at my, uh, this Nick Cave poster. No, 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 no. Which by the way, and this does unfortunately speak to your criticism, uh, it is a signed poster and it is signed over the vulva. Shocking. Mine is so... also signed near the woman's <laughs> nether region. Yeah, yeah. It's a, that's a. It's definitely a loaded choice. Well, that's why he uses his red right hand a lot. <laughs> you know what? I will say this as well. Uh, not to be like an apologist for the sexist part, but I think <laughs> the wisdom that comes with age. Because I do. David, do you uh, subscribe to the red hand files? I don't, but occasionally I'll, you know, hop on there if I see one yeah. that seems interesting. Oh, I've signed people up for it, like, without their permission. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a threat, so watch out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, but it is, you know, he does have his problematic perspectives, but I think the evolution that has come with just, li like, living into life as an adult person is, like, understanding more deeply how some of that was problematic when you were, you know, a 20, 30 something year old, like a, a quite fucked up on heroin person in the 90s. Yeah, he's like, if you'd watch interviews from the 80s or 90s, he's just completely insufferable. And now he's just this complete gentleman when he gets interviewed and, you know, yeah, yeah. talks directly but with I fans. I do actually, I refer to non, non, or, or post bad seeds Nick Cave as that is a sad old man. Nick Cave era, and uh, you know, it's actually artistically not as appealing, but uh, more emotionally respectable. So there's some conflict there. From well, I'll be I honest, <laughs> I I wasn't into the last Bad Seeds record. It was I kind of wasn't either. It's the first album of theirs I I don't own. I just I Ghostine know. didn't do it for me. So um, it's that old man era. That's what we're dealing with. 
Well, I'm like, come on, stop phoning it in. You're just gonna sit down and play some random shit on the keyboard, and then <laughs> sing over it like with some lyrics you wrote 15 years ago on a hotel napkin. Come on, write some songs. Yeah, right. It does feel yeah. very hotel napkin-y. Well, it's just he talks about it all the time. <laughs> Sorry, that was a long ass Nick Cave tangent. We can stop. <laughs> Sorry, Heather. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. Hey, I have a friend um, in Gresham, and so I'm due to to visit him. So I'll have to see if you guys are playing when I'm out visiting. Do you know where that is? Is that kind of near Portland? Yeah, it's just you know, it's a suburb. It's just one city over. But yeah, no, that would be great. And I'm still. I'm still trying to figure out where I know you from. It's driving me crazy. It'll, I know, it'll come. I was going to say, because you mentioned a stepbrother. Do you have a half-brother? I do not. Okay. You I want to help solve this mystery. No. So did you, where did, did you ever hang out? Um, my, my, uh, unfortunately, my high school haunts were very, well, they were very tame. Um, I was, I think I hung out in like the downtown Huntington Beach area, like the pier. Did you ever loiter around those parts or any did were you a coffee shop poet like i was no not a coffee shop poet i uh i actually i so i did not hang out downtown i mean i would occasionally go to electric chair when it was there yeah um, yeah, yeah. but i did store? i did work at that albertson's across from huntington beach high school for many years it was my first job albertson's heather is this like related to your Ralph story? <laughs> no, it's not. I know exactly where that Albertsons is, but that I didn't really go there. No. You went to the Ralphs. Uh, your team I Ralphs. I went to the Ralphs, but that was towards Golden West with Madden. <laughs> I know. Thanks, Vesta. You're welcome. Oh, like, you pain. <laughs> um, trying to, there's a record store on Beach Boulevard. Did Final you, Solution. Yeah, did you you hang out? Well, there? that's a good name. <laughs> I hung I hung out there all the time. Uh, I, you know. I did too. So maybe, yeah. maybe it was there. Did what about Seventeenth Street and Newport Mesa or Costa Mesa? A like little rock bit. Rock and Java. I was like a rock and Java like bar fly before there was bar. No, but I did. Um, there was a record store down there for a handful of years called TKO, and I worked there. I don't know if you ever went there. No. Hmm. I just remember the Tower Records off of 17. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hung out in. Um, no, we'll figure this out. And where was your childhood home at? Like, what track? Um, so, the, in Huntington, you mean? Yeah. Uh, so, my parents still live there. Uh, they. It's I like in, that you uh, had to say what track. This is a very suburban conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, they live, like on the outskirts of Huntington Beach, the, um, you know, like the borderline for Westminster is like halfway through their neighborhood. So they're over by, um, you know, like off of like Springdale and Westminster, basically, if you're familiar oh, okay. with that so, like area. North, North Huntington Beach. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's a mystery. <laughs> well, well I, I'm sure like, like three months from now, I'm just gonna, It'll you know, I'll be yeah. looking at something and I'll be like, oh! Yeah, That's you look, yeah. yeah, your voice and your face look sound. Yeah, look. you're gonna like appear in some old club photo together. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> no, I was just wondering like who like yeah, maybe you hung out with some people I knew or something. I don't know. 
Yeah, maybe. I was actually trying to think, uh, Davy, did we only ever meet in person at Release the Bats, or was there ever, did we ever cross paths after that? I, I think it might have just been that one time, but I, I know we... I think it kind of was, because I was going to say, like, often the answer to this question on a Zoom is like, oh, you were at Vesta's birthday parties at the same time. But you, I think, were not. I was never invited. You okay? You moved Justin in twenty seventeen. Fuck you. Just <laughs> Nick Cave's birthday party. <laughs> I did have. Oh my god, Davy, do you know this? I did have a Nick Cave themed birthday party. It was oh, called wow. the birthday party birthday party. Well, that's pretty good. It was really low maintenance. <laughs> it wasn't like a Harold Pinter depressing birthday party birthday party. <laughs> No, I think it, it was 31, so the point was it's like, no one cares about that fucking, you're 31, who gives a shit? Birthday party, birthday party. I made some themed cocktails, that's all I can say. Were they named after birthday party songs or something? Hell yeah, they were. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, well, Bad Seeds too. there was, uh, I feel like I've talked about this too many times on this podcast by now. <laughs> hey, it's relevant right now. It is actually. <laughs> what were they? Just imagine, was, like the junkyard was just like you taking whatever you could find and no, you know what? It they, were good, they were good cocktails. I bought like proper glass dispensers to make batch cocktails. It was like decent. Yeah, one was the cold neurotic sea. Which oh is yeah, I remember. Yeah, uh, one was I think the death by drowning. Oh, nice. And, oh, I made, yes, and a non-alcoholic one called the Tea Totalitarian. <laughs> I'm real proud of this. Sorry. I'm sorry to our listeners who I've said this to too many times. <laughs> well, have you actually, like, broken down what, you know, you put in each one or anything like that so the listeners at home could prepare their very you own? You know what? I can put them up on the Instagram, which you can find us. <laughs> nice lead-in, Davey. <laughs> you can find us at... Uh, oh, open.graves.podcast and we will put up images promoting your band and I will put up those uh, Nick Cave themed cocktails too. And if anyone can solve the mystery of how Davey and I know each other. I know, please help because I'm stumped as well and it seems like you're, it's such an everything you're both saying is such a narrow miss. It could be any of the things. Yeah. Yeah, and and... this is going to sound bizarre. I mean, not like everything I or like everything else I've said. Hello, welcome to Open Graves. <laughs> I, my, whatever, my my claim to fame, if if you want to call it that, was I was like a long distance runner for like eight or eight or eight to ten years at Huntington Beach, where I ran a specific track, which was around the Moffat track, is where I grew up. So it was like Magnolia Adams. Um, to Atlanta and I ran like on Newland and people would stop me everywhere and be like are you the one that runs on whatever and so that I mean I don't know did you see me running I'm I don't, I, there we go There's I don't think it would have been that but I that'd am... be so random if that was the thing but no, I'm no. stopped everywhere and I'm like how do people recognize me it's crazy. I'm convinced, though, now that you're a vampire because it seems like you've lived like 42 lifetimes. You've been a long distance runner. You've worked on a successful television program. There we go. Program. <laughs> and now, yeah. yeah, there it is. There's the proof. Proof's in the pudding. Yeah, I think Heather is a vampire. I mean, we don't, the goths, we just don't age like everybody else. So we get to live more lifetimes. 
Well, I, I I might ask you before you post any photos on the Instagram, maybe we could like, you know, uh, put like a spider web on my face or something to make me look more menacing, you know, because of the yes. cut comment earlier, you know, <laughs> look, Honestly, like, MS, like MS paint, like make it look real bad. <laughs> no, it's like throw an emoji over your entire face. No, it's good. <laughs> well, it was really nice meeting you. And, and you do have good hair. So, oh, no shade thank you. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling that this is not your first meeting and we'll work, work on that later. Yeah. Yeah, I had such a great time talking to you both. Um, this was really wonderful. Um, tell the people where they can find your shit. All right, well, we are on Instagram. It's just at Dry Wedding. We are also on Facebook, if you are still using Facebook at this <laughs> yeah. point. I mostly use it to network for the band. Um, and yeah, you can find us on Bandcamp. It's just uh, drywedding.bandcamp.com. And we're on Sweet. Spotify and yeah. all the other streaming all the services. Actually, or whatever, wherever so. you're listening to this fucking podcast, you can probably also find Dry Wedding. And oh, quick plug. You, we talked about Sway earlier. That's in the process of getting pressed on vinyl right now. Very excited about that. Nice. So hopefully, uh, maybe, maybe six months from now it'll be done. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe a little longer, but yeah. Stay tuned, podcast right. listeners, for that. <laughs> Very cool. Great work. Cheers to your dry wedding. <laughs> yeah, now, now very uh, seemingly ironic cheers to, <laughs> to dry wedding. And I'm going to pronounce your name correctly this time. Davey Furchow. That's it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Good night. Bye. Thank you.